0: Hi everyone, welcome to Morning Matcha. I'm here today with Sasha Plavsic, who's the founder of Ilya Beauty, a clean beauty line. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. It's so wonderful to finally sit down with you and ask about Ilya and just motherhood too. Um, it's nice that we live near each other and we get to do this and not too much of a trek for you. I know. I know. It's super nice. It was like
1: when I see something that's 15 minutes on my phone, as opposed to like an hour and a half or two to LA, it is amazing.
0: Yeah. It's usually LA or you were just in um, San Francisco. Yeah. Faster to go to San Francisco on a plane than drive to LA. So crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'm just really excited to learn more about Ilya and how you started it and how you got here, which is pretty crazy. The brand that you're building is so wonderful and i've been using it for a while now and i've just watched it grow and now it's at sephora and i mean it's been at sephora for a few years now but it's Mm -hmm. just constantly growing and i want to know how you're doing it all while being a really hands-on mom and yeah so how did you first start or think of starting Ilya? what were you doing before
1: Uh, So my background was in branding and I went to school in London uh, for typography, which is kind of unrelated, but Mm. we had to do a lot of brainstorming where uh, they'd give us crazy arty projects like define gravity. And then we had to go fill our sketchbooks up and really think about a concept kind of from start to finish of which, uh, I was freelancing with different branding firms. I did an exchange to New York, um, ended up working in the eyewear industry, doing some branding, uh, as well as with, um, Urban Decay. I was briefly with oh. them doing some freelancing and yeah, I ended up in Orange County cause my ex had got a job here and I actually didn't even really know where it was. Yeah. And I was like, where, so you're originally from Canada, right? Originally from Vancouver, mm-hmm. Canada. And, um, yeah, I guess it would have been like an 06. He was in Toronto. I was in London wanting to go back to New York. And he said, well, let's go here. I have a job offer. And I was like, no, I want to go back to New York, but we ended up here. And, <laughs> um, just that that's where everything kind of started happening. And I, like a few years later, I just, I was single. So I left him, left at my job. And then I was freelancing at urban and had a great time. You know, it was a great team over there. Uh, but I was totally lost. You know, mm-hmm. I think I would just turned 30 and felt like I didn't really know what I wanted. And I hadn't been home since I was 18. And I was lucky enough that my parents were still together at that time and still had a family home. So I just left moved. everything and moved home.
0: And, and did and you have a kid at the time?
1: Or? No, okay. I was totally solo, totally free, mm-hmm. totally single with a lot of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I took a job as a shop girl in a, an amazing little boutique in Vancouver called Niche boutique. And I just knew that I was going to take time out. Yeah. And, um, when I came home, I had a ton of makeup and my mom started going through everything. And she's like, you know, you really need to think about what you're putting on your skin and you should think about what you're putting in your body. And I think there's been awareness around that for like a long time, but 10 years ago, there was not as much around makeup. Yeah.
0: How was she so tapped in? I guess Vancouver. It's pretty know. hippie. Yeah. <laughs> Hippy and yeah. In the elements. So
1: yeah. Is that why? Or? Well, it's one of the reasons when I was really young, um, my brother, He's four years younger than me. He was born and he ended up getting really sick around three months age. And it was to a point where he had such bad asthma and such bad allergies that we needed to rip up all the rugs in the house because you had rugs in those days. All Mm -hmm. the curtains needed to come down. Uh, Certain foods in the house that we would normally eat, everything had to change. And He was so sick, actually, that they wanted him in the hospital. He had certain autoimmune and other asthma that was to a point where he was not really able to breathe on his own. So she just, you know, took a really alternative route at that time and decided that she was going to see if she could heal him naturally. And people were like, you're totally nuts. You Mm -hmm. know, you need. A lot more medicine. And it was a combination of Western medicine, but it was also her learning about diet, uh, cleaning products in the homes, things that could set him off. So that was really, without me knowing, part of my upbringing and something that made me more aware of definitely you know the things that we have around us on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. Uh, so that I think really was probably the like the pillar for how I was able to look at this and start this
0: yeah I mean definitely it's not about what you add in that instance it's you kind of have to scale back and remove things and then go from there totally that's so eye-opening how old are you when that I, was going on like when he I was, was 4. Oh okay. So, so really little.
1: Yeah. really little, but it like it kind of carried through mm-hmm. obviously. He grew out of it um and actually like uh he went on to compete in windsurfing in the Olympics, mm-hmm. which is a funny little sport which my husband does too, but he became super healthy, you know, and she raised him with natural supplements, a lot of goats milk. Because mm-hmm. there was no other milk alternatives at, in that time mm-hmm. and a lot of organic food of which there was no organic food really available. She used to work with a few other moms and they would have a delivery come to a gar- like one of the mom's garages and they would just divide up the food that way.
0: Oh my gosh. She sounds really cool. I want to meet her. (laughs) So you were back in Canada and she went through your makeup and was like, why are you putting all this on your,
1: yeah. And I was like, please leave me, you know, like any kid, I'm like, please leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me what to do. But secretly I'd go and look on the side, you know, Mm -hmm. and start researching. And I realized okay, you know, why does it actually need all these additional ingredients? Can we get away with making something more natural and more organic? And it was about stripping things away. Um, And I just decided that I was going to set a project. You know, I lived next to them. There was the garage and then there was like a little student suite that they'd Mm -hmm. built for my Nana when my Nana was alive. And so I was living in that that student suite and I just had time to think. And I was looking at a tinted chapstick that I'd had for a decade. Um, It was a Labello cherry tinted chapstick, which I think is like a Nivea chapstick Mm -hmm. today. And people always said, you have such a nice tint on your lips. And it was just a very light tint. But I thought, all right, maybe I can just set a project to recreate something like this more natural. But I wanted it to be more buildable. I wanted it to look like a lipstick, feel like a balm, Mm -hmm. be nicely packaged. Um, So that was the project. And then from there, it was really being very naive and going online and going to a, a few cosmetic shows and walking around and thinking about it.
0: Yeah, but that's still a lot like in between from finding the right packaging. I mean, where do you go for that? Right. You just, I mean, you have the internet at the time, but formulating it and then trying to make it feel like what we're familiar with. That's a big, big step.
1: And you know what? It took two years from like the idea until it hit one little tiny store and how I used to sell the product was just walk to stores and show them. Mm-hmm. And it's scary because when you're doing that, you don't really know how it's going to be received. Uh, the packaging in itself, that was like school. Again, I had to kind of have an idea and then explore it like I would in my sketchbooks. And it was really about exploring, exploring, exploring. I have a picture probably if you dig back through our Instagram to seven years ago. There's a shot of all the different cases that I initially did. And, uh, I'm definitely going to go back and look, yeah, <laughs> I was, love
0: that stuff. It was
1: like, you know, you, you, you go through that and we are actually doing some repackaging right now. And it's the same thing. I tell everybody in the office every day, we're starting a new brand mm-hmm. in a way, you know, mm-hmm. if you're doing some type of a repack, um, you have to test, you have to try, you have to see and cause that's the way the customer will experience it too. And, At that in the beginning, when you don't have a product out on the market yet, and you get to do that, my advice is really take the time to do that because um, that's like that's
0: your your everything. Yeah, your first forward, right? Yeah, it's so hard to stay patient though when you have something and you just want to get it out there, and it's going to take two years. And um, I'm sure at the time for you, it was like seeing it come to fruition was a big deal because you'd just gone through so much and you were 30 and you didn't want to be probably living at home and dealing with all that, but then grateful at the same time that you could be doing this. But I think that it really takes patience and sometimes it's hard. It does. There is a sacrifice. You know, I was 30, I was single, I was
1: living at home. uh, And I, I was lucky enough. My dad had co-signed a line of credit for 25 K and I had two credit cards and that's how everything started. And we were able to just go slowly. It wasn't, you know, at, in that time you didn't need a million bucks to put into direct to consumer advertising. Mm-hmm. I could walk into stores, you know, and online wasn't as prominent. So I, it was a beautiful time, which I don't really even know if that exists in much
0: as much yeah, anymore. It just becomes more and more expensive. To more expensive, much faster,
1: you know, like we had the time to build. Yeah, and from customers who found us, oh, like like even you, you know, several years ago, mm-hmm. we were able to get that loyalty, which is important. As I think today, you know, you can acquire a customer by, you know, targeting somebody new online. But as far as getting them to become loyal and have a repeat purchase, those are the things I think that will always matter and what will give a brand longevity. So. Uh, I'm thankful that we started when we did and I'm thankful that we didn't go any faster because mm-hmm. we are eight years old and it just feels like now the brand is really starting to run
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the timing for me is perfect especially with the category for clean
0: yeah so okay so that you launched mm-hmm. or I took two years you had your product you went to some shows what brought you back down here well, I, the person that I had met to help me formulate, uh,
1: sh- her, her manufacturing was in the L.A. area. So I was having packaging come to Long Beach and then being trucked up to uh, where the, the product was being manufactured and filled. And there was everything kind of happening down here. Mm -hmm. So managing that from another country, even though it's just across the border, became really complicated Mm -hmm. to ship items. Sometimes they would have tax on them. I would need to see samples. It was becoming very challenging. So I decided without even looking at an apartment. I rented an apartment online, which is a really big mistake. (laughs) Don't ever do that.
0: (laughs) I feel like we're getting more and more to that type of environment though. Everything's just done online. So it's good to hear what you're saying. It's sad.
1: You want, like, I I miss being in stores even for shopping. (laughs) Like you, it's just not the same feeling. Um, but I did it and it was in an area in East Hollywood, which was not the best area back in, I think it would have been 2012, but I quickly moved down, you know, I've got myself situated and uh worked out of the dining room, you know, with another friend in the building who I'd met who was finishing her degree and she was actually helping me. Cool. Um I was you like, did,
0: did you pay her or uh
1: yeah, a yeah. little bit, you know, to help and she's still a friend today. But that it was it was very grassroots. Mm-hmm. And I did everything in the beginning. And what year was this? Twenty twelve. Okay, and this so would have been the way seven like seven years ago. Seven years ago, it's like it is the way to do it. I think you have to do a lot, you know, uh, uh, and then eventually you can. You have to know what you're not good at doing and find people
0: that, that yeah that take can do on those well. roles. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! So at that time, you still had just one skew. What did you start with? The lip color. We started yeah. with a tinted lip conditioner. So it came in six
1: shades, and it had a little display, and uh, not even a year later we launched six lipsticks and six multi sticks and i think also the balm and the exfoliator so i actually expanded out but lip Lipid exfoliator or a okay. lip exfoliator yeah and a, and a lip balm and then lipsticks and also what's our, multi for eyeshadow shadow or uh, multi is like a it's a lip and cheek and oh yeah yeah it's one of our OG products. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's actually, it's the one that people kind of know us for. Mm -hmm. It has a small little component, super creamy color, which feels really good on the lips, but also blends really nicely on the
0: cheeks. So other than the time you were at Urban Decay, you had no experience in the beauty world. Zero. And when you were at Urban Decay, were you kind of, i mean learning about it or were you just mainly in the marketing
1: no i was basically there for a packaging rush for christmas and there was a bit of a rebrand going on of which i got to play with a bit um and they were offering me a position but i and i it, you know what if i wasn't so lost i probably would have taken it um but i just yeah i wanted to i wanted uh, something was missing mm-hmm. i felt like i was really not happy with myself in some way, and just taking another job somewhere was going to maybe be a band-aid,
0: but not get to the root—the root of the, what I really wanted. Which is so intuitive of you. Most people just take the job. Yeah. Well, I was lucky. I could,
1: I could go live in a, a garage. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, with my parents, <laughs> which was really lucky. Even though yeah. some people, you know, probably not ever want to yeah. do that. Yeah.
0: But I mean, obviously it says a lot about your upbringing to have parents who are willing to take a line of credit and invest in you and, and really believe in what you're doing. It's so important. And a lot of times people don't, I think the support is so important, right? It really when is. starting a business. It really is. If everyone around you is saying no, it makes it more difficult to take the leap
1: a lot of people were saying no. And mm-hmm. I think that's almost something in Canada. It's a bit more conservative up there. And it is scary because I, I had, you know, I was an art director, creative director, and I could make a decent salary. And everybody's like, what are you doing? There's a recession right now. You know, you're getting job offers. You should be going back. And, but my dad, he did come from Europe and he was from a totally different era. And he came to Canada with nothing. And he was an architect and built himself up to be a successful architect Mm -hmm. of which, uh, he always said, you know, if you want something, you go after it. And most like 90% of that's work and 10% of it's talent. And if you, if you want it, you make it happen. And so, yes, I was really lucky to have him. He was in a way, his own founder, you know, Mm -hmm. so he was a bit crazy and he totally believed in going after your dreams. Uh, And if he wasn't around, as that support I don't know if I would have been done able it. to have done it cuz I would have been scared well I was still scared I think anybody who's starting anything is scared and you kind
0: of even now you there's always fear that's involved yeah how do you move past the fear or how do you use fear for your advantage um I think that age helps mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when you're younger
1: you don't know yourself as well and you test, you're usually testing and there's, there can be doubt, but my biggest piece of advice is that when you feel that fear, uh, if you really, if you, I think our guts are, you're either like a brain person or a gut person or a heart person. Mm -hmm. I'm a gut person. And if I believe that I could make something happen, I had to really believe it. And if you really believe in something, then other people will start to see that as well. And because you're, perhaps passionate about something and then they'll believe in it too. And in the beginning, it may not be that way because there's a lot of naysayers and Mm -hmm. a lot of people actually want to go do their own thing. Not everybody's built for it. Yeah. And that's totally okay. That's how it all works. But that's how Mm -hmm. it all works. And they, you know, they may be envious that you want to go do something and they don't have, they can't get over their fear to do it. Mm -hmm. And there could be other things stopping them as well, you know, uh, finance or, or who knows. But I really believe that whatever problem, you have um you generally can have a solution to it especially where we live you know in a first world country yeah we have so much opportunity no matter where you're born here or what circumstances you're born into uh people can you know can go after their dreams in one way or another and Mm -hmm. better themselves we have that freedom very much so i think that it's totally possible to do that and Yeah,
0: I feel the same. I think if you have the privilege of doing it and you want to you almost you have to act on it, because I think you've been given this right. And so other people who don't have the opportunity would die for that. So If you just have to work through the fear and go for it, that's my philosophy. You have to work
1: through the fear and you have to be okay to fall down. We've Mm -hmm. made a ton of mistakes along the way. There's like, what are some of the mistakes? Like, you know, there's like certain things that have happened with formulas there that we've had to like fix. There's, um, you know, sh- things could ship on the wrong time. You can hire the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, what else is there? You, I, people, I would say people is the biggest thing. Some of your, your relationships, we've had some distributors uh, in the past that have really been poor decisions that have, you know, taken away time from the company uh, and from us in big ways. So I really, I believe a lot of it is also about relationships and that's from the beginning you know, and who you choose to work with.
0: So you, you guys formulate your products, they're created wherever they're created and informed. Um, but then you work with multiple distributors or just one, how does that work? Cause I don't really know much about the beauty industry and how that all works. Like, do you ship directly to your accounts?
1: Yeah, we, you know, we, um, in the U S we work direct and preferably we work direct with as many accounts as possible. We have an account in France that has 10 stores that we work with. Uh, We work with Space and K in the UK. And, uh, we work with Mecca, which is an amazing, um, it's like a mini Barney's space and K in mm. Australia and New Zealand. They've got around 50 locations, but we, those are direct relationships that are managed, but they are more or less seen in many ways as a, dist- as a distributor. Mm-hmm. So they manage a lot of okay. that process for you on that side. However, in the U S everything is direct. So we have people internally that will work in sales to support those accounts, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. Boutiques are one facet. Big box, big box stores are different. And then you have prestige boutiques. So they're
0: all kind of segregated mm-hmm. individually. So you first obviously started with boutiques. Yeah. How long were you in business and working with different boutiques before you went to big brand like sephora
1: long time yeah we you know we started we accounts for me at the time that were important were colette in paris that was one of our first stores which no longer exists but it was Mm. the premier you know lifestyle boutique in the world it
0: doesn't exist anymore
1: no they closed it down um they just the era was kind of over but it was such a stage for the Mm -hmm. brand and like if you were to be discovered and anywhere in the world from anybody you go to colette and that's where People, you, you, they would have eyes on you. So we were really fortunate to get into there. net a when they launched Beauty back in 2013, I think it was, we were one of the first six brands to go mm-hmm. on net So that also brought great visibility. And then we really mastered everything with the boutiques and had that um, experience with the customer where I believe you can build loyalty. And then from there, um, you know, Sephora had reached out a few times, but uh, we were never funded. So I didn't have... I could have gone sooner. However, I don't think the category was ready and it requires a lot, you know, it requires a lot of people, a lot of planning and capital to be able to support something like that, that you usually start off a little slower with, Mm -hmm. but then it can go quite quickly. And, uh, I just, in my gut, I went back to my gut and I was like, this isn't the right time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. So for the first five years, It was really me playing and having fun and having the time to learn how to formulate because some of the formulas also didn't work Mm -hmm. that i wanted to do and that we put out they were too natural and too organic and it didn't perform and so we that's how the clean category ended up coming about it wasn't just about being the most natural and most organic because in makeup that and that doesn't work
0: yeah you need it to last you need it to work for people and not flake off, I guess, mascara and mascara is a big one for you guys, right? That's our number one. We do really well. It's a bestseller.
1: And that is probably how most people are being introduced to the brand today. It's, uh, we didn't, I don't even know what happened. We did not market it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, we did not promote it. It launched a year and a half ago and it exploded. It just had this up, like, it must have been word of mouth. What Mm -hmm. me is the best way, Mm -hmm. if you can build a product that is traveling by word of mouth without doing any marketing, not recommended. And, you know, now that we're bigger, somebody would not be happy if I were to say that. It's so risky, but we were really lucky that it just, it it just did really well.
0: Word of mouth really is the best because your friends and... your friends and your family get you so excited. I mean, I know even at this office we all get so excited about certain brands and then we tell each other and we need to try it and it's yeah, it's a different type of experience for it sure. It's the most valuable one. I yeah. mean, you look at YouTube today and
1: um and social media and that's how people are buying. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's it's a major shift just even since I've started. The shift is like it's huge. Yeah. It's a different world completely.
0: How do you see brands like Glossier in this space? I mean, it's a completely, I think they've done such an incredible job with direct-to-consumer. And um, I i wonder how a brand like yours compares itself. Obviously, your products are super clean and theirs aren't, And but I love their branding. And um, so, yeah, do you, I think some people follow their gut and they don't really look at other brands and they just go with what works for them. And I think other people look at different competitors and see what works and apply. So I'm curious what kind of person you are and how, and just how you see um, them changing the game. Oh, I think, well,
1: for somebody like Glossier, I think they've done a phenomenal job. You know, what they really did was listen to the customer and that's, that's more or less their model. Mm -hmm. You know, they've spoken about that, how they, before it was, you know, bigger strategics that would own a bunch of brands and say, this is how you need to look. This is how you need to be. And this is who we're marketing to. And they really flipped that around and said, we want to hear what everybody has to say. We want to hear what you want and we want to make it real. And for us too, even when we started, one of the reasons that I started this is that I was looking to find more natural brands at that time and cleaner brands, but I couldn't find anything that resonated with me for what I liked mm-hmm. aesthetically or just brand wise. You know, I either felt it was really kind of hippie. Um, the color selection wasn't there. It was targeted to an older demographic. And for us And for Ilia, one of the things I really wanted was for the brand to be able to resonate with my friends and myself, which Mm -hmm. ideally would resonate with a lot of other people that are in that demographic. Yeah. And I also wanted it to be able to be real in the sense that uh, I'm not a makeup artist. You know, I'm I'm somebody who I like to wear makeup, but I, I don't like to wear a ton. And I feel like there's a lot of girls out there like that. You know, they're not spending a few hours on their face in the morning, but they, you know, maybe a little tinted moisturizer, something for brow, uh, a bomb, like the know, basics, the basics. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we're building. You mm-hmm. know, we were in three words. We've been, you know, trying to describe more who we are and it's clean, elevated essentials that we've landed on. And, and that's what I want it to be. The products should be clean and there should be major transparency around that. They should be elevated and they should be your daily staples. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that because that's how I go to my, I go to my makeup. I don't always wear makeup because having a kid, I just, (laughs) I'll stay at home and I just won't put it on. And it's so nice and gives my skin a breather. Um, But when I do, I want it to be clean. And I like the brands that are in that category. I love using your stuff. I love using vapor and I, I find it um, really interesting because it's really hard, I'm sure, to get someone to switch their makeup brand. Like for me, I think it's been the same for three or four years. I I use the same cheek uh, color. I only have like one. I use like one cheek color, one bronzer, I mix those. And then I use the same obviously shade of um, tinted moisturizer and the lip color that I have from you, the mascara I have from you and and that's kind of it. So I wonder how you get people to change.
1: Oh, well, we have to make sure the product is good enough. Yeah. It's probably step one. Um, yeah. It's, uh, there's obviously, I will compare what's out there and see what's going on. And most of the products are formulated from zero. We try and have certain innovation around some of them. Many of our products now, one of the things like we used to actually pr- be predominantly known for lip mm-hmm. and that was like a huge portion of the business. And then. When I met our CEO, Linda, she said, I think you're a complexion brand. And I said, no way. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. And today that is definitely more strength. And what I started doing was changing out some of the formulas using not just natural, but a mix of natural and safe synthetics. So synthetics that are low in toxicity, non-comedogenic for the skin, balancing for the skin and to enhance the performance of the product. After that, I would go in and add skincare actives like hyaluronic acid, vitamin C, um,
0: in diff- the t- in the makeup. Yeah, that's cool. We'd be adding it and in the
1: makeup because and and at an active level. A lot of the time, when you're seeing things, you'll see it written like whatever key ingredients are, and they're in there at a very low percentage. That's considered a marketing level, mm-hmm. and we're putting those in at an active level, which means that it really is benefiting the skin, mm-hmm. and that is my calling right now, you know, for the, for the future as well. And everything that we're working on, will have some facet of that, as I believe that the makeup that you're putting on should also be improving your skin. That's really cool. So it's functional. Absolutely. Yeah. Functional, minimal. Yeah. Uh, I'm a mom too. So being able to do things quickly and know that I'm getting SPF or, um, other, you know, actives in there to actually help combat my aging skin from no sleep at night is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. The no sleep. Um, you were saying that you have 160 SKUs coming up. Is that right? What do you have right now? Well, I think we're over 100 and I never know. I know operations knows this really
1: well. However, with everything that we have coming next year and uh, there is a new complexion item as well, which we have multiple shades. Yeah, the SKU count will,
0: will go up. How do you manage all that? I luckily don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> That's but another do department. Do you have, a whole, I mean, yes, a whole team, but one person is managing all that? No, uh, that person would, would, not,
1: would not be a very happy person. Yeah. We have a few people now. Um, and that's a
0: operations function. So formulating as well, or developing products and developing,
1: them. I have, a, I have some help there as well. Um, I do do, I'm the, I'm head of, um, R and D doesn't really say that in my title, but I am, I manage mostly creative and product development in the company of which uh, I have somebody else there working with me and I'll have another person soon as well. So, so
0: when does it get to your desk?
1: Uh, you mean like, after, so, so
0: let's say like you want to launch a new not a new shade, but, or okay, let's talk about shade first. Cause it's not like a full on new thing. You're not like going into complexion. You're not going into like doing a bunch of eyebrow color right. or whatever. Um, but it's something that you've been in, but you want to launch a few new colors. When does that color get to your desk? Um, does someone start working on it? Like, do they pitch it to you and then they work on it and then send it over? It's usually
1: me or it's usually, it could be a directive from sales and they'll say, Hey, this is doing really well. You know, we should, we're, we are given an opportunity. We should think about extending some of these colors. Um, if it's complexion based, we're constantly extending to make sure that we can be as inclusive as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of the time it's from the customer. We love asking our customers what they're looking for, what they think we're missing, what shades they want to see. Um, and then knowing that we need a selection of fun shades brighter shades and more neutrals. However, for most color brands, neutrals are always the ones that are going to sell as mm-hmm. people. They can be attracted by you know, the bright sparkly shade, but in the end of the day, they'll buy a gorgeous nude. Mm -hmm. So looking at those and looking at the stats and again, understanding who our customer is and what she wants. We thought that our customer wanted a really bold lipstick, which is our color block lipstick and they enjoy it. They love it. Yet. If we do a survey, you know, 75% of them want something more balmy, like a tint. Mm -hmm. And that's how we started. So we did capture that customer and we have to, yeah, I think it's, as a brand, it's important to know who you are and what you know, what you're making and who you're appealing to. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So you're the one that's man. You're the one that's starting it and then they're managing it. But it's like coming from you for,
1: yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, Everything more or less comes from me, which can make people go crazy. Yeah. Apparently I change my mind a lot. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, we have, we well not sometimes we always have timelines Mm -hmm. and I can change my mind because it is a creative process. And if you just stop at the first checkpoint uh, I believe you can always push it further. Mm-hmm. And for me, nothing's ever a 10. That sounds kind of cheesy when you hear that, but it's true. You know, when something's going really well, I always think we can do better. We mm-hmm. can push it further. Uh, and we have to. And I think that that's also one of the things that I love so much about this company mm-hmm. or doing what I'm doing is that, um, I believe we can always go further
0: and, and do more. So, a other than getting some actives in the products that you guys have, what else is coming up? We have
1: complexion. We have something in SPF that will be coming spring next year.
0: What's it based? It's a zinc based. It's zinc. It'll be a zinc That's based. Awesome.
1: Yeah. And, uh, that is going to be really exciting without saying too much more, but we are, people have been asking for higher SPF and that will definitely be answered with this product and it will be, um, a really skin focused item we have, uh, what else do we have? We have some items for lip that we're playing with. We have some more items for eye. We're, we're staying in some of the zones that we're in now, but just different textures, mm-hmm. uh, different shades, different formats. And yeah. Uh, it, like the pipeline just keeps going. I yeah. have to start planning for 2021. I know I was talking to you about that earlier, but it's it actually, we, we are in a time right now where we need to do a big brainstorm. Listen to what the customers want, mm-hmm. see what we're missing, you know, think about what's, what's not being done and how we can do it differently mm-hmm. and how we can present that differently. It's, you, it's kind of a mix of having certain classics and then finding ways of innovating uh, product and making it different and new in the clean category.
0: Yeah. How do you give them what they go to you for, but then introduce them something that they didn't know they needed? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And my, I want one more question. Yeah. I just love hearing about founders and raising money, people who have never done it before. So I just want to learn more about when you went. I mean, I'm assuming you raised. Yeah. Yeah. So when did that all start and how was that? It was way
1: later. Um, so the brand was launched in May, 2011. And we had that, I, I, it was me. I had that little line of credit and those two credit cards. And then from there was able to boots, bootstrap the, the whole way up until last year. And it was very, last very year. tight. That's yeah. The incredible. first seven years we did not raise capital. Uh, we had people come to us to get involved yet. I really wanted to see how long we could hold and, and was your overhead totally being covered with sales? So It was, it was because we had very few people and yeah. like, we were so stretched with how many people. Oh, I think a year ago we probably had well, when we, yeah, when we were raising, we probably had ten, including the, that would be including the field team, and now that's amazing. That's incredible. That's it's, yeah, that's it's not that's, it's not enough. Now you guys were doing all that with ten people. Yeah, no, not enough. Now we're over double on that, and there's Growing many many really more quickly. positions. Like yeah, i, I think it's I will lose count probably mm-hmm. at the end of this year because we're planning for next year, and. And even then, I feel like we probably still need more. I like people to be really busy. Uh, The people part is one of the most challenging parts of having a business. You Mm want to find the right person. You want to feel that they can grow with the position and that that suits them and fits them and fits your values and fits your brand. And it's a challenge, you know, to find the right people to do that. But when you have those pieces and they start to link together as they all do link together,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, it can be really magical.
0: And when, so you finally decided to raise last year? Yes. When I was like six months pregnant. Oh my gosh. (laughs) With my second (laughs) year. How was that? Were you going to New York? Where were you going? Well,
1: luckily because I was so getting pregnant, I had a lot of people come to us. That's nice. So, you know, people were able to fly out and some of the conversations we'd been having for a while. And I do recommend that you have conversations with people and it's important to get to know people and to. It's also important to know that when you're talking to them, you can be sure that your competitors are probably talking to mm-hmm. them and you have to be careful, you know, on on what you want to to share. But uh, in the end, I really wanted us to find a partnership that felt good and that felt like you could maybe go to these people, go away with these people on the weekend and hang out with them yeah. and know that you would be all right. Mm-hmm. That was one of a, a, a box for me that I needed to be able to check. And I only wanted to give away a certain amount of the company and raise a certain amount of what we needed for the company at that time. Mm -hmm. So uh, the whole thing was a learning lesson for me. I had an amazing lawyer who taught me a lot. And I learned in that first round a lot. There was so much that I didn't know. And it was an experience that I actually really enjoyed. And I think if you have the right people around you again, guiding you that you can ask questions to. Um,
0: who are the type of people? So a lawyer, what other kind of person would you recommend someone? Help? Um,
1: for if you're doing a smaller raise at times, you can have a broker, but that they will take a decent cut. Mm-hmm. And I don't think
0: that they are necessary. Um, and is that for a series, a? they take a cut just initially or over the long term? Like usually once you raise, they'll okay. take a percentage mm-hmm.
1: out of, from the top line of mm-hmm. that. And Uh, It just really depends on what you're looking for. I personally really enjoy having those discussions and figuring out what we need and looking through the contracts with my lawyer and understanding, you know, where we get to a fair business agreement, you know, what, what is, and it depends on your positioning on how the industry is doing on how the market's doing um, on if you made your budget that year, there is a whole bunch of business aspects, which I have. Somebody else in the company. There's a few people handling mm-hmm. that and preparing that to present, uh, and then of course it's it's back to relationships and people, mm-hmm. and those people need to be in sync with what you're you know, doing, you're doing yeah. and understanding. And everybody likes to do it differently. My recommendation is that you find somebody that is has experience in your field or experience in an area that you want and need, mm-hmm. and um, you you, you look into that and base your decisions around that. And of course, you know, that you're going to be able to work with them and get along with them. Yeah. But just choose. you know, some people will say, take family money or angels, investors. I think that can get really complicated. Mm -hmm. And again, it just depends on your circumstances around you. You know, some people, you may need more experience, um, with certain people to help build out
0: operations and other areas. And you have to ask yourself what you need and then, and then go and look for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was so nice to learn more about you and Ilya. And I'm really looking forward to the new products. They sound incredible. Thank you, Nikki, so much for having me. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or review and share with your friends. I'm always reading our comments and love hearing from you. So keep in touch and I'll see you next time.